Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. Hello, Final Girl. Hello, Final Girl. How are you? I am pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I was... Um watching something with my husband the other night and he said something about guys, gals, and non-binaries. And I was like, ah, that's our thing. <laughs> Wait, he said it? He said it? Max said it? Yeah, he said something he about... He knows our lingo. He knows our... Yeah. He knows our... <laughs> Maybe he's, he's secretly of... listening to the podcast. You don't Probably think so? Not. You don't think he is? <laughs> no, um, I really don't think he is. That's always our first audience, you know, is those who are in our uh, immediate circle and who are obligated to listen to at least one episode. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. We should have like a fake clean episode that uh, like with no swearing, maybe just like covers a gentle horror movie like uh, The NeverEnding Story. I don't know if I could pull that off, but it would be worth a shot. <laughs> you send it to my parents. <laughs> hey. Well, maybe this, maybe this one will be because... Uh... Oh, fuck no. If <laughs> <laughs> you say the fucks in the beginning and the end, then, you know, they could be, they could be edited out for your your family. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that there's, um... Like they've never heard us say, they've heard me say fuck before, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so as well. Um, I think they'd be more weirded out if I didn't swear. Because, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, once I found, once I broke the seal on that one, then it was no holds bar. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> um, <laughs> I keep forgetting that like we're on a Zoom call so we can see each other. So you can see me like wave my arms and stuff, but it's still a podcast and still nobody else can see us. So I feel it's like, so you know, they should just be able to read every nuance in our voice at this point and know know what we're doing and, and, and what we're thinking before we even say it. Absolutely. I mean, if you do, <laughs> go ahead and tweet us at Final Deer and tell us to just shut up because you already know what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, we alluded to this at the end of our prior episodes. Our mm -hmm. prior episode was our comeback episode after you had your your lovely baby girl celebrating with a glass of whiskey right now <laughs> Man, i wish i could have that right now oh, soon um, enough. but we um we featured um we featured a origin story from our friend lando uh -huh. on twitter at lando underscore horror yep um so what we decided to to do with this episode was actually watch one of the movies um, that he had alluded to in his origin story. And you and I haven't talked about this, but, you know, we might very well do several episodes um, because he mentioned he mentioned several films that were really kind of seminal for him. You know, mm -hmm. that's what 
what is generally the case with the origin stories. Some people will cover just like just one film. Yeah. Um, like I remember like our good friend of the show, Isaac Thorne, yeah. um, had focused, you know, exclusively on Fright Night and the impact of that. Uh-huh. So Lando had mentioned uh, The Shining, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, and the film that we watched, uh, which is It's, it's Alive. alive. Oh. It's Alive. The Larry Cohen classic from 1974. And there was another reason that we thought this was a good film to watch as well. And I'll let you, I'll let you say that. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we had plans before we even went on maternity leave. Um, we had planned to, for our comeback episode, to watch something along the lines of childbirth and so we were thinking like rosemary's baby or something like that but then it's alive came up on um the last drive-in over the course of the summer and then lando mentioned it and we were like well yeah why not let's do that one um and (laughs) so as he often does my husband watches this with me watches watched this particular one with me and he's like I don't like this (laughs) (laughs) usually he's like making fun of the movie and you know being quippy and this one he's like "Mm, this is a little close and I was like that's why we picked it you know (laughs) he's like yeah but I don't don't have to get roped into this darn it right exactly these little furtive images of this baby with this massive head and hands and claws like nearly as large as his head as I could as I could tell yes um they managed to you know just give tiny little glimpses of what this baby looked like throughout the film so okay let me back up and say that the tagline of this film is you know there's just one thing one thing wrong with the Davis baby and then you see the title it's alive so (laughs) Uh, that that probably tells you a lot of what you need to know about the plot, but you know you do have a couple who goes in to deliver their second child, you know, expecting all good things, of course, all uh-huh. the all you know, and uh, that doesn't happen. The child is 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 monstrous, murderous from the start. Murderous from the start. Good point. Yes, absolutely murderous from the start. I mean, okay, so if it were me and that doctor was down there while my feet were up in stirrups saying, this baby's gigantic. You don't worry about it, though, ma'am. Don't even know. We got it down here. Like, he was talking down to her. He was talking bad to Lenore. Is that her name? Yeah, Lenore, Lenore. Which I thought was interesting, maybe like the Poe connection because of the... <laughs> Nevermore. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, if a doctor were talking to me like that, I would want to murder him. Not, you know, and so I kind of felt like the baby was justified in trying <laughs> to murder the doctor. Um, but that's he, just is- mine. Is let's see, what is it when it when somebody says something bad about you that's not true, 
But it's it's verbally, it's not in print. That's slander, whereas libel is in print, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so he's slandering this poor child before it's even, you know, made its entry, you know, into the onto the planet. The baby is gigantic, though. Yes, like he's gigantic. <laughs> he has he has a gigantic head, um, which is scary enough in, on its own, like. For for a pregnant lady, we were told multiple times with my first kid, this kid's got a big head. And I was like, do not tell me that. Because I'm going to have yeah. to squeeze that thing out of, as they say, a hole the size of a lemon. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Well, this baby's got a gigantic head. Um, oh, yeah, he says it's a gigantic baby. It must be 10 or 11 pounds. There are a lot of babies that are born. Can I say vaginally? I guess it's a podcast, and no, yeah, I'm I'm gonna yeah, use the actual. Hey, fuck, we can say vaginally. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> no, we have we have standards, Lori. Um, <laughs> there are babies born vaginally, vaginally that are ten, eleven pounds. That's not gigantic, but whatever. Um, yeah. I'm you sorry. know, right from the beginning, you know, right from the beginning, I mean, it's like this baby lays waste to this operating room. Yep. I mean, kills everybody, I think, but the mother. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's established early on, you know, it's like killing because it's, you know, it's it's scared. Um, and it establishes, I mean, just all these, all these things, you know, like... Um, the way that, I mean, even adults, like how we behave when we are in a place of fear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is, this is a baby. What, what else, what else is it going to do? Um, and, you know, it was, it was really sad. It, it, I, these characters were so alive for me, the husband and the wife. Mm -hmm. Um, those actors were tremendous. It was John Ryan was the father and Sharon Farrell was the mother. And like, they had the neatest relationship, you know? Yeah. Um, I just felt like Larry Cohen, the director, he established in a very short time, a couple that's extremely close. You could see all these, like, it seemed like you could get a glimpse of their like private jokes and the language that mm -hmm. you used with one another that's special to you and you're a couple, but they came across as just real people that you would really like to know, just just charming, interesting people. Um, they are, while they're awaiting the birth of the baby, there are scenes of the father looking at all the babies who are in the nursery. Yeah. It's all so sweet. And then, boom, I mean, <laughs> practically out of the blue, cut to this delivery room where it's just, like, blood and carnage everywhere. Uh, what I th thought was almost two-by-four metaphor um, was the men in the waiting room and the exterminator was talking about snails and slugs and you know, the poisons and how they had uh, made a cockroach that was genetically um, 
they just made a stronger cockroach. We couldn't kill him. We just made a stronger cockroach. And um, that uh, it was a little bit two by four metaphor there at the beginning, but it also helped when they started talking not long after when the investigators showed up or the uh, maybe it was the main doctor at the hospital, like the director of the hospital. He was like, there were weirdly a bunch of Irish and Scottish people in this. Yeah. Um, but there, uh, he makes an inquiry about the genetics. Uh, you did have an inquiry about an abortion. Uh, did, had your wife had any radioactive exposure? And it's like, geez, buddy, like maybe chill out a little bit on that, on the uh, implications there. Yeah, and it was interesting how, well, I mean, and you, see, you know, you see this in any, any kind of movie or TV show where there's a traumatic scene at a hospital and, you know, you've got, you've got the, the, the family member reacting, you know, they're hard to control. It's like, hey, come on. You know, the doctors are like, calm down. You can't be in here. You can't be in here. Right. And I just kept thinking about just like how quickly the the system, a system will circle itself to apply rules. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you're not, you can't behave like this. Mm-hmm. You can't be in here. Completely incongruent with the fact that, you know, he's just found out that his he, you know, they've had a monster baby. Right. Um, how are you supposed to react? How are you not going to want to be in that room? How, you know, it's just, it's just so, it's just so interesting. I mean, yes, I mean, a, a hospital would have to do that. Yes, they would have to have some sort of, sort of order, try to maintain some kind of control in the in the situation, you know, maintain some kind of safety. But it's just those things just auto, automatically kick in, you know, what you are yeah. and are not supposed to do, and not, how you are and are not supposed to act. Well, and you know, you feel for Frank because he's out in the waiting room. He sees this doctor come stumbling out the door, dead, um, like with his throat chewed open, and then he goes back in terrified that his wife is dead and she's in there, but she's still stuck in the chair and they don't know where the murderous baby is. So like he doesn't, he knows he's not supposed to be in there, but he doesn't want to leave his wife there with, you know, a potential, uh, I don't know. Homicidal infant. Also, like, okay, so I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but as he's driving home, the radio doxes him, just like, you know, this family, Frank and Lenore, that live on this street in Santa Monica. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah. And they make it clear that the baby has, like, don't they make it clear that the baby has killed all these people? 
that they have a monster speed? Yeah, I believe it's it's beyond that. It's just um, you know, had congenital challenges. Um, <laughs> <but> in fact. <laughs> Did in fact enter the world in a murderous frame of mind, right? Um, and you know, there's there's so much in here about you know reputation. I mean, it, it's so yes, you know, like right from the beginning, the whole world, the whole world knows. Um, they know who they are. They know that they've had this baby, and it immediately filters over into his work. Yeah. You know, they're, they're doing what people, um, what everybody tries to do when your world is going crazy. You're trying to just bring in any kind of normalcy whatsoever. Yeah. So he's, you know, um, it's Frank. Is it that is Frank? The dad? Yeah. He's going to try to go back to work. And it's just, you know, how quickly, um, how quickly the, you know, the, the, the negativity of the situation, how quickly just, they're like, they become tainted people. Mm -hmm. They, they become tainted people instantly because this thing has happened to them yep. that they, they had no control over. It wasn't their fault. Um, you know, they're victims in the situation, but they're, they're very quickly put in this category of other. Yeah. And sends them out through the service elevator and doesn't, and tells, like, gives Frank hope. He gives Frank hope that he's coming back. Yeah. You know, just take, take a couple weeks. You're coming back, whatever. And then tells the assistant to clean out his desk because he won't be coming back like yeah, right after he leaves right and you know what i thought no, i don't know if i just was i think i saw this but the the head of the agency that frank worked for that he went to go meet with uh-huh bob clayton who has didn't that look like yeah that character had like maybe like a little bit of a cleft palate uh-huh uh-huh and i remember i just commenting you know just kind of mentally noting that, that it's like you know i mean we're not we're not trying to put value judgments on um you know uh, uh things like that but it's just like the person delivering the message looked to be someone who had also been born with some, you know some small yeah birth defect i don't know if that's the proper term anymore but um you know, but they, there's, there's different, there's different categories, I guess, of what is, what is okay and, and what is not seems to be maybe a little bit of the message. Yeah. I mean, I was a little confused too, as to whether that was a cleft palate or a, uh, a cold sore just right in the middle of his lip. But I think you're right. I think it was, a cleft palate and that didn't occur to me until the very end of that scene I think the the lighting was such that it it looked like it could have been a cold sore and I was like ooh why didn't they cover that up <laughs> you know? yeah maybe they but could have <laughs> changed the shooting schedule by a week or whatever <laughs> 
it does seem definitely intentional, you know, to highlight their situations. And um, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Oh, and then um, is it is it that say does the media get him on the way out of that of his office, or is it in a different? I can't remember if it's immediately after. I think that, um, well, it doesn't really matter. My point there is that I think that you said this is Larry Cohen. Um, yeah, he's the director. Mm -hmm. I think he did a really great job of showing how the media got into this so quickly. Like, I mean, this is a this is a modern horror story, right? It's possibly genetics, but it's also the um, problems with the media. So just real quickly, you know, their names are released on the radio. Then he's hounded by um, a bunch of reporters as he's coming out of some building. And then the nurse who is trying to get Lenore to talk to her about how, you know, what's wrong with the baby and how, you know, what it looked like and all that sort of stuff. And is trying to like tape record their conversation. So you know that she's trying to sell it to the tabloids. Uh, all of that stuff kind of, and I feel like the, they show up later too. Like the, does the news show up when they're, searching in the canals and the sewers i can't remember and i just watched the end of i had just watched the end of it but it seems like there was there was more than one scene like that mm -hmm. and i think that you know it's easy to think now that um you know maybe a lot of that is is it would be easy to think that a lot of that is is tame um, when you think about the fact that, well, they didn't, they still did, I mean, this was 1974. There was not yet a 24 hour news cycle. Obviously there wasn't social media, but that, but that, that presence, that, that invasion, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's always been there. It actually makes me very curious about, is there a particular point in time where the media as the media began to become you know what it what it is today um you know i i mean i'm i'm more left leaning and i'm not i'm not about to get into uh, left versus right and box versus <laughs> MSNBC. i mean at this point even when i'm watching um you know, news outlets that seem to be a little bit more agnostic or try to be, you just can see the fault. And it's the way they say things, mm -hmm. the way they word things, the way they position things. I mean, it's, 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 there's a veneer of objectivity, but it seems like that's, that's about all there is, and there used to be this thing called journalism, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I think it, it, it's it's still alive, but it's it's not like what it 
what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. Everything is, well, all the opinion pieces are being couched as real, um, you know, reporting. And I think that that's, um, I don't know. This this has a lot of the feel of the tabloids, but, and the sensationalism of the tabloids. But I think that, um, gosh, our current news cycle is turning into the sensationalism of the tabloids because everything has to be bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like, when's the bubble going to burst on the bigness? Um, yeah. Big Lee. Uh, but I think that... God. Okay, so... The way that both the media and the cops act in this like the fact that they nearly shoot just a baby sitting in a garden <laughs> right yeah um, and then they also there was at one point where they were running after the baby and all the cops had like their billy clubs and just a helmet with maybe a face shield on it I was like, is this the SWAT team? Where's their tank? Where's their armored vehicle? Oh, right, 1974. Got it. <laughs> this is... Well, you know, it's interesting because some of these pieces didn't come together for me until later, but I was binge-watching a lot of TV this weekend, mm -hmm. and there on Netflix there is a docu-series on um, the disappearance of uh, Madeline McCann. That British toddler. Yeah, I've heard about this and I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I watched a different net Netflix last night called An American Murder. And that one was, oh, it was heartbreaking. I watched that one too. Was that the woman with her kids? Shanann. Shanann Watts. And he tried to suggest that she had killed the children and therefore he killed her, but he had just in fact killed everyone this is what blew, I know we're getting a little off track, but this is, I watched that too this weekend. This is what blew me away. You're away from your wife for only a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And then you are falling madly in love with this other person and you are going to kill your family. I mean, but that, all of those shows are like that. They're all... It's, it's, it's usually, you know, it's, it's money or sex, you know, yeah. or both is the motive. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the shows like that just make, I have to turn to my husband. We, we did this probably three or four times through the, the whole show. And it's like, if it comes to it, like, please just divorce me. Like, there's yeah. no, like, people, <laughs> come on. What is it? What is, what is so crucial that you have to kill someone? Like, I, mm, I don't. And your own children. And your own children. Oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, it was terrible. And you know, this is the funny thing, the funny haha, not, but. You know, I, I, I binge-watched a lot this weekend. Mm -hmm. I watched that. I watched the Madeline McCann thing. 
And, you know, there's a lot, especially in the Metal and McCann docuseries, really a lot about the media. Yeah. Um, and the role that they play. And, you know, and yet I'm sitting here watching this thing. I mean, I'm watching this docuseries. Yeah. So I I am participating. It's a mm-hmm. it's a um it's a it's a it's a salacious story, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's a terrible story. And, you know, you know, the sheer proliferation of shows and series that are basically about murder. I mean, when you think about it. And I remember having this thought, I was like, like, we should be as obsessed with living as we are, you know, watching shows about dying, you know, right. We, really, right. we really should be, there's been such a proliferation and you have to wonder if like kind of the media rise, like those things didn't kind of grow up together. Um, yeah. You know, the the increased, you know, unsolved mysteries and dateline and cold case and forensic files and all this and just the 24-hour news cycle, court TV, all that kind of stuff. I know we're kind of far afield, but... Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is... Uh, the, I... <laughs> I... We record a horror podcast, but I listen to true crime podcasts. And so I, like, this is... It's fine with me. I'm I'm totally into talking about all this. Maybe our <laughs> listeners don't want to talk about this, but I think that you bring up a good point is and what's so great about horror movies is that they're because they are fiction, they get to critique these things. So, you know, they he uh I don't know who wrote this, but uh the the... I think Larry Cohen, I think he wrote, produced, and directed it. Well, dang, he just does everything, don't he? He was super talented. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, the critique of the medical establishment, the critique of the media, the critique of the police is all there, and it's all, um, it's, he's not shying away from it. And I guess... That's part of why horror sometimes gets a bad rap is because sometimes the message is so clear. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I'm with you. There were some points in this movie as we were watching that I was like, God, the actor who plays Frank is a really good actor. He and, is amazing. He was absolutely, I, I believe he's still living. Um, that's John Ryan. Um, he was phenomenal. Yeah. He's, you're right, yeah. And there were points where the actress who was playing Lenore felt a little over the top, but then at the same, then there were other points like when she was just, you could tell she was starting to go insane And she was just like quietly happy that the baby was there and hiding it from Frank. And like, you're like, okay, this is, this is really going well. Because also there's the isolation that the family has to go into. Yes. (laughs) Anytime, I mean, right now, anything with isolation feels 
particularly poignant. But um, yeah, especially for me right now, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> I tested positive for COVID, um, which is why uh, I binge watched so much TV because. Uh, when I wasn't sleeping, it was the only thing that I could do. Mm -hmm. um, and being like, you know, I mean, I I didn't get out a lot before anyway. I mean, you know, I'm careful. I'm around some people, but I'm not around a lot of people. It's not like I'm hitting restaurants all the time. Yeah. I mean, there are safe ways to do all of these things. It's not bad to go to a restaurant. And I have been out to some restaurants, but... Mm -hmm. You know, definitely in and either alone or around, you know, just one or two people. Um, but then I actually went to visit a friend, and when I came back, all I got was a stupid T-shirt and some COVID. So, Aww. you know, for my for my visit. So. <laughs> well, I but, have to say that I, um, I'm glad that you're feeling better. I'm glad Thank that you. you seem to have come through it relatively unscathed um, as she mutes her microphone to cough. <laughs> um, but what was good for me out of this is that I went to try and find you some disinfecting wipes. And I, for the very first time since... Since we have moved into this house, I was out of this house and sometime after dark. I had never been out of my neighborhood and out of this house, really, after dark since we moved in in April. So yeah. that's what, six months? Did it feel, it must have felt... Like, well, how did it feel? What what did it feel like to be to be out, especially at night? There's a different, uh -huh. different feeling. Uh, it was weird. Like, I, I have this weird feeling at Kroger uh, these days, which is pretty much the only place I go. I go and take my kids to daycare, bring them back home from daycare, and then we go to Kroger. That's pretty much where we go. Um, and there's this feeling of like anxiety and I think it has to do with wearing the mask that just, it feels different. And I feel like I have to rush through the store and this, I was just looking for one thing. I was on a, I was on a sniper mission, you know, just looking for a single item and, <laughs> uh, found some at the Walmart market, but it felt I don't know. It was weird. It was almost like I forgot how to drive at night. Like there's a windy road out of my neighborhood that's real narrow and uh, like, and takes a sharp turn. And I was like going 25 miles an hour around the turn because I was <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with these lights shining at me. And I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. It doesn't take very long for you know, what was normalcy to change mm -hmm. and then that becomes normal. I mean, I think in, in the, in the course of the, the length of this film and the plot, 
you know, it was, it was pretty frantic and desperate, you know, for them yeah. the whole time. But we did get to see, you know, this full arc of, of their experience, you know, all the way from the just, you know, such happy anticipation in the beginning. They all, they had already had one, they already had one son who was like, what, 11 or something years old in Chris. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thinking about bringing the baby home to meet their sibling. And then, you know, I, I was startled by how quickly Frank was like, we got to kill it. You know, yep. we got to kill it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the one to do it. Yeah. And, and he very quickly said, it's not my baby. And the, one of the doctors said, yes, that's good. Disassociate emotionally. And a lot of doctors like explaining to him his psychological state. It's like, okay, sure, buddy. Um, yeah. And support and supporting it. And of course, you know, we see later, it's like, well, that's even less blood on their hands. If the father can actually be the one to basically eliminate their mistake. I mean, because uh-huh. there's the implication of the drug and the fact the fact that, you know, that, that there was some sort of drug that caused something. Um, yeah, because at one point she said, maybe all the pills caused this. Lenore says that. Maybe all yeah. the pills caused this. It's like, ooh. Yeah. And then we see, like, I remember thinking... Am I actually seeing this correctly? Has he has he just made this switch so quickly to be like, I we need to destroy this monster? Like, am I missing something? Like, am I missing something? Yeah. And then I realized that I wasn't. And then of course at the end he he, you know, is at a different end of the arc where he is he's he has joined with the police, you know, he's gonna be the one to help hunt the baby down after he's already, he's already shot the baby. (laughs) Um, He's already shot the baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then he goes out with the police to hunt it down and has, you know, hunt him down. It's a, it's a boy. We learn this is a boy. Right. Uh, To hunt him down. Of course they, it's the baby is referred to as it, Mm -hmm. you know, part of the depersonalization and, you know, he, comes around and tries to protect the baby at the end as much as he, as much as he can. Um, Uh, Did you start rooting for the baby? I started rooting for the baby pretty early on. Like, yeah, I was definitely rooting for the baby (laughs) around, like around the milkman. I was kind of (laughs) like, all right, yeah, get it, baby. You know, go ahead, do you know, actually, <laughs> I mean, you gotta feed yourself. You got, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta survive. That's the other thing too. Is like, okay, this baby's like, well, it was weird because I was like, okay, well, this baby is essentially taking care of its own needs. Yeah. You know. Now I did. I remember at one point I, I, thinking like, this baby doesn't seem to be getting any sustenance from the people he's killing. He, he's not, it isn't, there's not really a lot of evidence that he's feeding on human flesh. Right. He's just killing. Uh-huh. And then you 
see later that he's once he's has snuck into the parents' home, he's he's he has drunk all this milk and eaten all this food. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, well he's not a flesh eater. He just kills when he's scared to protect himself, but he's consuming. Well, his his diet is still way advanced for a uh, right, his, uh, right. I, like, didn't he eat all of like a whole freezer full of frozen chicken? Uh, he did. He's not yeah, a human flesh eater. Yeah, not um, a human flesh eater. Good clarif- Good clarification. Also, like Frank and Lenore are balling with their two extra refrigerators. You know, one. <laughs> That's what I thought. I mean, I think I think you're balling if you've got, you know, the the garage refrigerator. I had a friend in high school, one of my best friends in high school, she her dad had a uh refrigerator out in the um out in the garage and it had beer and clamato in it. And Ooh, fancy! I know. I always thought that that was super fancy. Dad's beer fridge in the in the garage. Um, uh, if if we're gonna go on a side note about the furnishings of the house, can we talk ah. for a second about the super groovy wallpaper? Um, I mean, nineteen seventy four. This really does look like the the Brady Bunch house, the Brady yeah. house. Um, yeah, but also the carpet in the kitchen. Did you notice this? I did. That was so like, have you, I don't, it kind of goes viral every time that a listing comes up on Zillow or whatever, when somebody has carpet in the bathroom, but yeah, carpet in the kitchen is too much. I can't, I can't do it. I, ugh. <laughs> I don't like carpet in the first place, but yeah. carpet in the kitchen, like, oh, I'd be so gross. Yeah, I mean, you can just, you know, you're just, just imagine all the food particles being <sighs> tromped under your feet. <laughs> mm. It was so, oh. you know, That was probably know, the you, most disgusting part of the movie for me, I've got to say. And I I hate to say this because people may get mad about me saying this. Like, Mm. then go for it. I I liked the movie okay. Right. You know, I didn't love it. I mean, I didn't, I like, I I appreciated it more than I loved it. Mm -hmm. It almost had kind of, sometimes it almost had kind of a made for TV feel about it i think it was just you know it's low it was lower budget i'm sure um yeah but i mean the acting was absolutely phenomenal and they did you know um i mean it was a it was it was a quality film it absolutely Mm -hmm. was a quality film Mm -hmm. um you know there's the implication at one point there's the mention of of um and I don't remember who's talking about it if it's some cops and they're just having a random conversation about Frankenstein and how they always thought that Frankenstein was the monster's name but it was actually the doctor's name right right subtle not so subtle dig at the doctors he's actually talking to at that point 
Yeah, but even, and you know, even exactly, and even, you know, but with the father too, that it's sort of like he, the dad is renouncing his creation, Ugh. you know, very, you know, quite viciously really for, for, for most of the, and cruelly for most of the, the film. So I thought that was, I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very well thought out, but I think that you're right that there's, the production quality and the quality of acting don't necessarily match up. And maybe it's because of the, like, the the only, like, scattershot reveal of the baby. Um, I mean, let's, let's be honest, though. Those creatures are scarier when you can't see them. True. And they did, you know, they they really hid, you never really got like a full-on shot yeah. of the baby. Kind of like, oh, what was it? That movie Chud? Uh, that movie Chud um, uh, from the early 80s. And Joe Bob would talk about that. It was, stands for like a cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers or something okay and like you never see you never really except for one scene this flicker you never really see the chud you know you, you know that they're like okay we got to save money on special effects here people <laughs> daniel stern is in chud cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller good for you yeah uh, john hurd john hurd is in yeah chud. um that was one of the first films that Joe Bob actually showed when The Last Drive-In came back in season one. Um, that was that was a really good episode, but it kind of reminds, like the things they tried to do to just show part of a hand or an eye or part of a head, you know, but right. it is scarier that way. It yes. Is. And I mean... If you, if you think about it, this is why uh, Jason is so scary or Michael Myers is so scary. They're behind a mask. You can't see their face. You don't know what's going on back there. You can't, and or why clowns are so scary. You can't actually see their face. Also, just like, why, why are you so happy, clown? <laughs> exactly. We know you're really sad inside, and as a result, you're about to kill a shit ton of people. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, I think that um, the interest, one of the interesting things to me is the dynamic of how they're not telling Chris. Like, they're trying to keep yeah. it a secret, and... But then Chris is like, it's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. Like, we're going to love you. And Chris and Lenore are happy about the baby coming back. And they want to help the baby. And eventually, spoilers, Frank wants to help the baby. And says, you know, let's let's end it um kindly but he after he shot the baby of course he's he's already shot it um and is still running after it but 
then once he sees it, he's like, oh, little guy, don't do that. Don't be, don't be afraid. And so there is sort of this call to just like our, our human nature and wanting to protect the, the young of the herd. Um, even if we know that Frank's going to take the baby out and destroy it. Um, and I just, Oh God, I didn't even remember this. When they're in the standoff with the police, Frank throws the baby at the hospital owner or the director of the hospital. So the director, so he kills both the creation and the medical science that is trying to like uh, sell it off basically. That you are absolutely right. That is, and that is absolutely what happened. And I mean, it's like Frank, he, he protected once he turned, once things turned, you know, he protected the baby as long as he could. Uh Um, And in what way he could. And in what way he could. Um, And then it does, oh gosh, the movie does have such a tremendous ending because they're, the parents are in the squad car and they're being taken home and there's a call that comes in over the, you know, the radio and, you know, the cop says, you know, there was, uh, there was just, another one was just born in Seattle. So we know there's going to be more, more, uh, more monster babies. Um, I, I started to look up, I know that there were two additional films. I know, um, it's also alive. (laughs) Or It's Alive Again. Oh. And then the third one was It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive, which I think I actually saw a long time ago, like maybe when I was like 13 or 14. It's from 1987. They kept that that franchise pretty stretched out. (laughs) (laughs) The, oh gosh, the... Uh, cover for It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive is like a little bassinet with the claw hanging out like Lando talked about, but it's on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tropical setting. And it yes. looks like I... they show the baby quite a bit in this one. I guess because special effects were better in 87 than they were in uh, 74. Although, one of the, a couple of things that I noticed, I mean, in addition to this, it was, it was written, produced, and directed. Larry Cohen did all three, writing, producing, directing. Um, Rick Baker did the special effects for the first it's a lot he may have done the others i know for sure he did the first one and i mean he's a very big name mm-hmm. in the horror special effects world and what blew me away is that bernard herman did the music for this film bernard herman did the theme to psycho oh. um and scored a number of hitchcock films um, and I thought, I thought that was 
like that was major that that Larry Cohen got got Bernard Bernard Herman for the score on this. And apparently, um, like Taxi Driver. Oh, what's that? Uh, he also did the music for Taxi Driver. Oh, I didn't know that he did Taxi Driver. Okay. I don't know. Let me. I, I don't know. I'm just. I'm sitting here at my computer, so just. <laughs> yeah, collaboration with Alfred Hitch- Hitchcock. Wow, he did a bunch. Seven yeah, Hitchcock he, films. Yeah, he did Vertigo. He did. I don't know. I don't actually know all of the Hitchcock films he did, but North by Northwest, Psycho, The Birds, Marnie, The Trouble with Harry, uh, The Man Who t- Knew Too Much. Uh, also the Alfred Hitchcock Hour. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm just reading off Wikipedia, which, you know, other people (laughs) can read as well. Um, But yeah, wow. Um, Yeah. Interesting. I did did think, um, you know, at one point one of the doctors said, you know... They were talking about the baby, and it's like, this is, you know, in, in my opinion, this is going to be remembered, you know, long, long after we're gone. So hmm. you, you, there's that sense again of like, um, you're still in like kind of, kind of sick part of history. You know, there's, there's some sort of, of pride um, that they're expressing you know, even in, in being a part of this, you know, very horrible thing that's happening to, to, to babies and their parents. And it's, you know, there's just, I binge watched so many things this weekend. (laughs) They all running together. They're all running together. They're saying like what, what people's motivations are in when there's a lot on the line um, and when, you know, there's reputations, yeah. reputations to be, to be made or notoriety to be gained, publicity, mm-hmm. uh, that was definitely, definitely the case, like in this movie, definitely in the Madeline McCann docuseries that I watched. And I also watched a docuseries on... The Challenger explosion. Oh God! And that was phenomenal. It was gut wrenching. I mean, yeah. it was really gut wrenching. But you know, that was a situation that could have been prevented. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a rush to to deliver what needed to be delivered. To have things happen on time, on budget. You know, and you know, human human collateral, or for a publicity made. thing on time and on budget yeah. because it's a it's bad optics, it's bad PR, yeah. uh, right. like the, uh, I mean that's where Frank works is the PR agency, and he does, yeah, and yeah. so he's intimately familiar with the media, and like. I get it how his boss is like, you work for a PR agency, like you're bad PR with all of this going on. But um, 
I think that, you know, Frank should have, I feel like Frank's connection with the media should have made him more aware of what they were going to try to do. Um, That's a good point, yeah. But maybe not. Maybe it's like, you know, maybe he's so close to it and the the image implications of his own genetics which is maybe that's why he says so quickly that's no child of mine that's not my kid which made me think that he was like saying that Lenore had an affair I didn't I didn't I did not personally take it that way it's sort of like how you how people disavow their clearly their biological children and yeah. say that you are not my child or you clearly you are but right. you're disowning what they represent right well, or that you could be or that, that that could somehow be any kind of a reflection of, of you yeah I think that what got me about that is that it was um it was hard for me because you know that Lenore doesn't have the option of saying that's no child of mine. And so wow. He, wow. he gets to disavow it, say it's not related to me, but Lenore doesn't get that chance. And then she's treated as this fragile thing they don't even talk to her i mean from the very beginning the doctors are like you've done your job now let us do ours you know yeah and like all of that is progressive on the part of cohen i think to include that um because it's it's a pretty shitty situation what they used to do to women sometimes still do to women in childbirth, um, not listening to them, especially for certain um, classes of women. Um, but anyways, I think that, um, yeah, that's, that, there's a lot to unpack there. And of course, the, the medical... I mean, we could do a whole show just on how the medical community wants to act upon this baby and how it wants to study it, and like some of them want to keep it alive, some of it, some of them want to kill it. Like, mm, it's it's pretty terrifying. And, yeah, and how quickly, how quick, how quickly you can lose control um, of being able to manage, you know, in anything in your life um, is, is pretty, pretty astounding. And I mean, Larry Cohen is known for the social commentary in his films. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, there, there's one, one of his movies is called The Stuff. And uh -huh. it's basically about this, and Joe Bob showed it as well. It's basically about the stuff that's like harvested from some 
it's somehow both underground and an alien. The implication is it's an alien source. And people become it, and they harvest it, and they make this food out of it, and everybody's addicted to it. Huh. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it involves the military, and it involves telecommunications, and the media, and um, advertising, and just huh. all of these, all of these forces that are so active in our lives and can can change them you know so quickly i mean whether whether we're being affected by what we're seeing or whether we're getting you know whether we get entangled you know literally entangled in something it's the 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 speed which with which things can spin out of control is pretty is pretty terrifying yep yep especially because once you put a message out into the world, uh, you don't have any control over how other people see it. Speaking of which. <laughs> My message? <laughs> Is that what you're alluding Do to? Do you have a message? I don't know. I, I, I don't have a message. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, but uh, actually, that was kind of what... Uh, I was thinking about last night as we were watching that um, uh, American murder about Shanann Watts and like their whole, their whole life was on Facebook. Like, and I get that there's some of that like multi-level marketing stuff where you have to be in like in intimately in contact with your, uh, it, it's a very personal advertising, but it, God, I, I'm pretty private, like to the point where I don't even want to post on Twitter about like cool things that are going on in my life that I actually want people to like read and see about, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't want to self promote. Um, so it's, it's tough. It's, uh, uh, blah, blah. Yay. Yeah, and we're we're in an election season, and that's a that's a horror movie of its of its own. Right. Um, yeah, but um, but yeah, I'm glad that um, I'm glad that Lando's origin story gave us the opportunity to focus on one of the one of the films. I know he had specifically mentioned that it was you know it's like those '80s VHS covers. And and the cover the cover of this one I mean I'm I'm sure a lot of folks out there know exactly what this movie poster and what that VHS cover would have looked like but if you don't you know well we've posted it as part of our as part of our tweets yeah to support Lando's story um, but um, it was great to we haven't done this before we haven't watched um, we haven't watched a film and done an episode on it that someone um, kind of highlighted in their origin story. So we might, we might do more of that as we're kind of finding our way, finding our back to being on the, on the airwaves. Right. Well, um, friends, I think, well, it's been just over an hour and, uh, we didn't do a letter this time. Um, no, but we do have one. Um, we do have one, 
Um, I'm, I'm interested, we're, we haven't done this before either, where we're talking out loud, about loud about a letter that we received, but we haven't, we've not chosen the movie yet, but it's, um, the letter is about um, career dissatisfaction. Ooh. Um, so that's going to be, that's going to be interesting. That's going to, we're going to have to put, I'm, I'm, anybody listening to this is probably thinking of five films immediately. I actually did think of one that Joe Bob showed last season. It was called Mayhem, I believe. Okay. Um, but, um, but yeah, we'll have, we'll, um, we'll think about, we'll think about a good, a good film for that. So we will have a letter episode coming up in the coming week. Yay. Yay. We love letter episodes. Yeah. So if you have a origin story, you want to, um, read on air or if you've got uh, an issue that you want us to help you with um tweet us at final deer dm us email us at final girl oh wait no dear final girl at gmail.com <laughs> yeah whatever <laughs> that thing uh dear final we girl our handles we mixed our handles yeah up, so. <laughs> handles um, and- yeah, and we've actually got a new origin story, actually, hey. that should be sitting in our mailbox right now. Ooh, good. Um, uh, from my friend. You mean Dave. our assistant's mailbox, right? Yes. Yes. Our... Our, oh, yes, our assistant. Our <laughs> really busy, busy assistant, yes. Yes. Because we're definitely not cobbling this together. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, well, it was, it's uh, awesome to reconnect. I hope that the folks out there who were following us before uh, can pick back up with us again and bear with us as we we find our our sea legs I mean I'm, <laughs> I'm, half, I'm half dead recording this so, listen you I, know <laughs> I might be on my d e or f legs at this point yeah <laughs> nice <Hey>. <laughs> we <laughs> sing the alphabet a lot in my house um I guess. But that, guys for continuing to tune in we really appreciate it we want to continue to bring you good content yeah and until next time you know stay alive out there yeah we love you bye love you bye hey final girls final boys and final non-binaries Tamara and i are honored to be your dear abbies of horror but that's all we are people struggling just like you We're not professionals. If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number 1-800-273-8255. There's an online chat, and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline, and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there too. Take care.